Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. This here is a podcast exploring how we can best maintain a sense of energy, inspiration, and wakefulness while dealing with the unique stressors of this very strange yet very potent time. My name is Brett. I'm going to be your host on this journey, and joining us on the show today is Brandon Gilbert, founder of Hyperion Herbs, which is an online storefront selling some of the highest quality hand-picked medicinal herbs and mushrooms available to the public. In this conversation, we talk about traditional Chinese medicine and the path of herbalism as a whole. By the end of this episode, you'll learn how to create real, impalpable relationships with herbs, you'll learn how to determine if what you're buying is legitimate, and ultimately how to integrate this into your spiritual or health-focused life. We also cover some broad-stroke ideas on how to form a stronger commitment to spiritual practice, how to deal with some of the isolation that could potentially come up, and how to create a healthier relationship to stimulation. It's really a jam-packed episode with a ton of insight that I am confident will leave you with plenty to chew on for the rest of the week. So if you enjoy Brandon's presentation, I strongly encourage you to check out his YouTube channel, which is simply Brandon Gilbert. If you want to begin your journey into medicinal herbs and mushrooms, you can also head on over to HyperionHerbs.com to get your first order in. It's where I go, so if you trust me, then you can trust that. Plus, by the end of this, you will realize it is the way. As always, if you want to support this show, head on over to patreon.com slash 21st Century Vitalism and become a patron today. If you're navigating some financial tightness, that is okay. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, or just like us on Facebook. Anything and everything helps us out. So without further ado, please sit back, drink some tea, do some stretches if you have to, whatever it takes to open your heart for Brandon Gilbert. Brandon, we are now live. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity and thanks for having me on as well. Yeah. So for my listeners who might not know you, you are the founder of Hyperion Herbs, which is an online herb distribution uh, company. And you have like, I think well over like 30,000 customers, your website says. That's yep. pretty incredible. So, I mean, congratulations on that in general. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I started that company in 2010 or so. And uh, this was a time when social media was just becoming a thing. E-commerce was like kind of sort of a thing. And, um, you know, Chinese herbs and adaptogens and these kinds of subjects weren't trendy really at all. So the company grew and reached a wider audience that I really had ever thought was possible. And then, you know, fast forward, I guess, 13 or so years later, there's dozens of, of other companies that are in the space um, and the market and the everything has just really grown. Uh, so it's been, it's been pretty cool to see and, and to observe. And yeah, they've had been lucky enough to share my products with people from all over the world. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, I've even had strange experiences of being in random places in the world and people recognizing me being like, oh, my wow. God, you're such and such guy. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is so wow. like, I mean, it, it's it's cool. So that's fun. I mean, because, you know, I'm from a very small town in Indiana with probably less than 20,000 people or so. 
and Chinese medicine and meditation and spirituality, alternative health is like not a thing there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was especially not a thing in the 80s and 90s uh, when I was growing up. And then definitely not a thing in the 2000s when I was getting into this. And, you know, I was just uh, just a, a kid living in his parents' house, you know, <laughs> trying to figure this stuff out for myself. And lucky enough, my parents gave me my own computer with the Internet at a young age. And um, that really just allowed me to realize that the world was a lot bigger than than my little small town. And, um, yeah, just one thing kind of led to the other from you know, my humble days of loving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu movies as a child uh, and realizing that there was just kind of like something sort of kind of behind that. Obviously, those aren't the best representations of what that thing is, but it was still just this seed that was planted of like, oh, maybe there's a different way of seeing the world, a different way of going about life that is appealing to me. So I just kind of followed that as best I could. And then when I was a teenager, I learned, oh, Bruce Lee has books. Oh, wow. So I read whatever books I could find of his. And then I learned, oh, he's not coming up with these ideas. He's quoting uh, Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, Hinduism. I was like, whoa, I don't even know what those are. Never heard of them in my life. You know, small town in the end. I was like, oh, my God. So then I went and found those things. And then I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, but none of this makes sense. I don't understand this at all, but it, it's, it's appealing to me. It's attractive. It's interesting. It's engaging, whatever. So then I just kind of followed that to, um, you know, I think the first, the first things were trying to, you know, eat organic and improve my diet and then getting into yoga and meditation, just basically whatever the, whatever I could find, whatever seemed to work. And then, you know, even in my, my early 20s, I was doing yoga like two, three hours a day, every day, sometimes more, like militantly every day, because I'd had, I'd had, I'd always played sports as a kid. So I'd always had that kind of discipline where I always like needed something. I needed to exert myself hours every day, whether it was baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever it was running. I quit all of that and just sort of like transferred that. So, okay, well now I'm doing yoga and meditation. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to try to actually be good and learn and like figure out what this thing is. And then um, somehow that led to learning about reishi mushroom, learning about tonic herbs. Cause I'd, I'd heard about herbalism, but it always just sounded kind of boring. Cause it was like, take echinacea because you don't want to get sick or drink, I don't know, put honey in your tea if your throat, or it's just like, it's kind of like really generic. And then because I lived in a small town, all my experiences and uh, associations and exposures to alternative health or herbalism was like these really like kind of chintzy, like hippie kind of stores of like handmade soaps and handmade candles. And, oh, we do herbalism. I was just kind of like, no, nah, that's not really for me. You know, like I'm just never been really a granola kind of thing, which, you know, we can circle back to this, but it's, it's, it's kind of what we were alluding to before where it's like my mindset has always been sort of like almost like a little closer to like corporate CEO 
kind of mindset or like i want to know what works why it works what are the results like spare me the bs just give me the thing but then i found myself in all these kind of like hippie airy fairy alternative sort of worlds and it was just always kind of a conflict um because it's like not that's not really the mindset that people typically have there but so circling back to um learning about reishi right learning about tonic herbs because i was already interested in meditation and spirituality and trying to just improve myself i wasn't really so much so and like let me treat all these different things was more so like let me just improve and develop along a path so you know reishi and these kinds of herbs maybe people are not familiar with how they are different is that the idea is that you can take them and they just help improve your health over time so reishi for example can really help regulate your immune system it won't stimulate it and it won't depress it it just can help it balance and regulate and then get more efficient and effective over time which is different than land like take echinacea because you want to ramp your immune system up to like maybe catch an invader early on which is fine but it's a that's a different mindset so that's what really appealed to me about tonic herbs and adaptogens was like take these when you're already fairly healthy you know to a relative degree obviously we could all <laughs> be a bit better but when you're relatively healthy and they just can help you know improve functions in your body and help you adapt to stress and help you become more clear and focused help you have more endurance and exercise so i was like oh these things can really help me in my yoga and meditation and help me learn and help me do these things that i was trying to do and they definitely really did um because for the for the vast majority of my life i was extremely shy extremely reserved i could not articulate my thoughts my head was just this jumbled mess of fogginess and like i would have ideas or have something i should do but it was like it was it's like it was like hidden behind three layers of glass that i could kind of see it but it's like there's smoke separating each layer of glass and it's like i can kind of see it for a second but i can't really get to it it was just like that was my internal experience of of life as well it was just everything was kind of just a bit disassociated a bit disembodied and and, and you know foggy so you know doing herbs and these kinds of things really helped develop clarity and start to regulate my system so i could actually like do something <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's kind of what gave me the original impetus to start my first business in 2006 uh I was trying to share tonic herbs and stuff with people and then that eventually led to wanting to do it online and reach a wider audience with hyperion in 2010 and it was just to sum it up it was just based on firstly following my initial passion and motivation for for eastern philosophy and for kind of a deeper understanding of of the body and what a human is and what life is and what life means and all these things that we kind of think are these amorphous unanswerable questions but then i came to quickly realize like no no they've been answered they've been answered <laughs> in specific ocd anal retentive detail and it's not really a mystery it's a mystery if you're confused but if you have some clarity and you can understand this not that much of a mystery um and then secondly trying to find things to solve my own problems and help me improve and develop as a person and then basically leading to the third thing was actually wanted to share that with people 
Meaning like, here's what I've gone through. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've learned. Here's what's actually worked for me. And I really put the time in and the rubber really hit the road. And I'm kind of like a living proof of this stuff. And then obviously people that I know have, have benefited gratefully as well. And then kind of that informs what I share with people. Um, so that's kind of gotten me. I mean, that's I, fast forward 13 plus years later, I'm still kind of doing the same thing, <laughs> just in maybe different forms. Um, so yeah, hopefully that gives people a little bit of introduction. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, and this wasn't something I planned on talking about, sure. but you know, small town Indiana, you know, you're mm -hmm. just getting into Eastern spirituality. It's kind of a niche thing. You're recognizing that the culture around you, whenever they're dabbling into it, it's a little chintzy. So as you're kind of pursuing deeper practice and actually trying to get a grasp on this material, did you find that to be kind of an isolating experience? Like, I'm curious for the people who are out there in small town Illinois or wherever who might be hearing this who are like, I, I really do want to get deeper into practice, but I don't have any community. Like, how did you navigate that, this kind of being an island in this place? Yeah, I mean... I would say a huge theme of my life has been loneliness and isolation. I mean, just from day one, like, yeah. and then even when I was a teenager, I remember making a, a distinct decision to cut myself off from my environment and just kind of detach from it. So I'm pretty familiar with, <laughs> with those states. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can speak about it with some degree of f familiarity, let's say. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think, the, the isolation and the loneliness comes if you try to be good at anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is because, I mean, this might be harsh to say, but most people aren't good at anything. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just myself included. Yeah. There's, I'm not very good at most things. Like, it's just human nature. Like, we're not, most of us aren't very good at anything. Yeah. Uh, that's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's sometimes it's hard for people to realize that we're all somewhat kind of just average. And then yeah. the people that really stand out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, um, but if you make the decision to be good at anything, you're automatically going to isolate yourself from a lot of people. doesn't matter what that is. Um, obviously, if it's something like I'm going to be really good at piano, the benefit is you can probably find someone in your local area that's like really good or dedicated and have some community that way. But to what you asked specifically, the odds you're going to find someone that's really skilled at any internal art is extremely rare. Um, nowadays, it's a little easier because there's good teachers online with communities and things of that nature. So that's easy. But for me, like, I think the pain that people have to endure is probably good. I mean... Because if, if you need community and like validation from other people to do something, then you probably shouldn't do the thing because you probably don't really want to do it. Obviously, it would, obviously it would be great. In an, in an ideal world, you're like, I want to do this thing. And everyone in your life would be like, you know what? I fully see you and support you and I wish you the utmost success. Like in an ideal world, that would be great. <laughs> but I mean... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I know people who have families like that, and I just look at them and I'm like, "Whoa, dude, what a foreign experience!" But yeah. I just think I th I think people are averse to hardship and averse to discomfort. Of course, we all are. I mean, it's natural. But I, I feel like your desire for something needs to be so strong that you kind of don't really notice. Like it's almost 
Well, how I've looked at it is it's kind of like a form of stupidity or ignorance or naivety or being naive, where it's like, if you knew how difficult it would be when you started, you probably wouldn't start. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's just yeah. maybe passion, enthusiasm, like there has to be some other counteractive appetite or desire in you to sort of offset that. If it's something you have to bludgeon yourself and make you do, then it's like, maybe that's not really the thing. And I would suggest maybe people examine their own motivations, examine their actual desires. Like, what is it you really after? What is it you really want? Because if you actually just really want community, there's way more easy, effective ways to, to get community than some obscure, esoteric, like, discipline sort of thing, you know? Um, and that's, I've made videos about that. I've recommended that to people for years because I, I've done that for myself many times over and I still will often do that. Like, well, what am I really... What's really driving? What am I really after? Um, so, but yeah, for me, it was definitely extremely isolating and I've lost tons of friends. I've offended lots of people. I've isolated myself from my family, from friend groups, from social groups, from everything. Because <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want this kind of life. You guys don't have this kind of life. So like see you like i gotta go um because to me i'm gonna feel horrible if i hold myself to this thing versus i might still feel horrible over here but i at least feel really a bit better because i'm doing something that is actually authentic and will be rewarding in the long run fast forward now it has been very rewarding i've met a lot of amazing people uh, a lot of like-minded people have more of a sense of community more people i can connect with on a different way. I'm, I'm able to do podcasts like this, like all these other opportunities came out of it that never would have arisen had I just been averse to that discomfort early on. Um, so it's kind of a long, <laughs> long winded kind of multifaceted answer. Um, but hopefully that will give people some food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's even important if people wanted to stay plugged into their original communities, like in order yeah. to show up more fully for that, sure. you have to be like honoring the path that's unfolding. Like if you have this genuine interest and you want to develop something, if you have that, like turning your back on that's probably going to be a lot more painful than the momentary uh, abandonment of your social scene. You know, and then at some point, I'm sure as you've developed, as it's kind of more automatic and you're really ingrained, you'll be able to kind of re-engage with the people yeah. that, you know, you care about your original tribe, but you're going to be able to do it from a place where you're actually integrated and embodied and honoring who you are rather than like putting it aside for their comfort and for your yeah. comfort. You know, you have to be able to be who you are. Yeah, there's definitely a, a one last thing I'll add to that. There's definitely stages to it. Like kind of where I am now and is sounds weird to people, but oftentimes I'll just have kind of a fake personality to where what I actually think, feel, and believe and what's actually true or authentic for me, I'll just pretty much put aside. Like that just doesn't even register. Like there's people that I meet that have no idea about anything that I do because there's no point for me to bring that forward in that relationship. Like my parents and parts of my family, it's just not even a thing. It's like, I just, I'm, I'm able to put that aside. That obviously wasn't where I started. Uh, but I just think there's, there's levels to it. Yeah. And it's kind of like you're saying, you can develop some solidity and then be able to re-engage. 
And I think it, I look at that as kind of a, a really high degree of compartmentalization, yeah. uh, which is a, kind of a weird thing that sounds like it gets kind of a negative connotation, but it's necessary. Um, just, I think just dealing with life because you're going to, most people you deal with don't agree with you and probably won't see the world in the same way. So you need to be able to kind of, um, compartmentalize your experience to a degree, just, just for sanity and, you know, trying to maintain social harmony and cohesion. Yeah. So I know when I first started getting into it, I was definitely very loud and vocal about all the spiritual things I was learning. I kind of went down like the bhakti thing very briefly with like Ram Das and, you know, I would just tell anyone who had two ears and, you know, it definitely gets to a point where it's like, this is actually like harming my opportunities in life and kind of painting me into a, a corner, you know, but what I've also found is like the more you really work with teachings, the more you work with a path, the more it expresses silently as you're, 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 not, you're not talking to everybody about herbs or about Ramda or whatever, but it's coming through just based on your level of awareness, the clarity, um, right. just the presence that you bring to people. That actually is also what's going to conversely actually communicate to their, their being the part of them that will receive a message like that. It's not going to be with your words. It's going to be how you're showing up. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was a tangent. Uh, good one. But right, right. <laughs> so, you know, you you're working with herbs, you are starting to share them with people. At what point did that kind of become the the entity that it is now known as Hyperion? And like, what motivated you to really make it what it is? And what are some of your, I guess, corporate mythos that make you different from the other world of uh, supplements and herbs? Because there are a lot of them out there. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I think my philosophy starting off was very simple. It was just, it was having products that actually worked and packaging, packaging them in a way for people who actually want to use them to get the benefits. So what I meant by, what I mean by that and kind of how I arrived at that is um, you know, most of the stuff you find at a health food store, especially back when, when I was starting out 2004 through 2010, and even now today, most of it's pretty worthless and not very effective. Um, because herbalism, it's not, it, it can be very simple, but also can be extremely complicated and kind of OCD. So it kind of depends on how far you want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, but that, that that stuff actually kind of works for my brain and I can, I can handle that degree of complexity and whatever. Um, so that's what I mean is I created products that were actually effective, meaning you take them and you're like, Oh my God, I actually feel something, uh, versus you buy stuff at the store and you're like, yeah, I don't feel anything. Herbs are dumb. They don't work, whatever. And then packaging it in a way that people can actually take it. Meaning you're not spending $30 on this little one ounce bottle of tincture that like if you take enough of it to feel anything, you just, it's gone. Or so it's like I'm, I package it in, you know, four ounce or 16 ounce bulk powder <laughs> units where like my packaging sucks. It's really not great. It's literally just a bag with labels on it because at least to me, what's important is what's on the inside. Like. I don't care uh, about that part of it. I could spend 
a lot more money and have custom designed fancy bags and all this stuff, which I have done in the past, but it just raises my cost. It raises my margin and it's more work for me. And then it's like, well, if I have to do that, then I'll eventually have to pass that cost on to my customer, especially with, you know, the last three years and how I've gotten just smashed from every angle in terms of cost of goods and everything, but I still haven't raised my prices. Um, even though I probably will need to. So I just, I wanted to maintain that really simple, straightforward, direct kind of mindset. And also the fact that everything that I sell is basically just based in my experience and what actually works for me, um, which is kind of uh, like aggressively stupid and simple with a lot of complexity and thought that goes into it. Um, Cause I can, I can present things in kind of like a, a flippant kind of ca very casual way. And some people will think, oh, he doesn't care. He's disinterested or he's an idiot or all these different things, but it doesn't necessarily convey the hundreds of hours of work and analysis and critical thought and reflection and trial and error that went into <laughs> arriving at that silly, stupid, simple package, <laughs> um, which is maybe that's something I should try to clarify more readily to people um so i think maybe that's some degree of the corporate ethos is just that just keeping it super simple and straightforward and direct because at the end of the day customers they don't care about me they don't care about my brand they don't care about the bag they don't care about the label they don't care about the herb all they care about is the effect basically i mean obviously there's some exception and some gray area in there but at the end of the day that's all people are really after is i want this outcome for this reason and whatever that is for that person so for me i realized that so i just try to keep it simple and focused on that um and keep my products so they actually produce those results uh, and that's that's kind of my metric for whether or not a product is is good uh, versus there's other companies that have more of like a biochemical model where it's like we have X amount of this percentage or it's X amount of this ratio or they just go into all these different other kind of schemas, which of course have their place. And I actually use some of those for, you know, quality control across batches and maintaining consistency. But X amount percent of a chemical doesn't necessarily and often mm. doesn't equate to the desired effect. Like, like, for example, I have some really exotic ginseng and reishi and like these crazy herbal formulas that from like a biochemical scientific modern paradigm, they're like really weak, but I can take like three drops and it'll have an extremely potent noticeable effect. <laughs> but if you actually analyzed it, the actual chemistry there is like not a lot going on versus if you go online, you can find a reishi with like... 60% polysaccharides, you know, 20% triterpenes or ginseng with 50% ginsenosides, which people would think, oh my God, this is better. This is more potent. This is more effective. <laughs> and then they take those products and they're like, oh my God, I have diarrhea. Oh my God, my liver hurts or I'm sick or I have a headache or all these other negative reactions or they just feel nothing. So it's like, I try to just, yeah, create products that actually communicate what reishi is as an example and what reishi is supposed to do for the body and that kind of grows for all my herbs um 
just because when I started, that's all I cared about. I wanted the effects. I wanted to feel what that plant was supposed to be doing for me. So I try to translate that across on a wide enough scale and at an accessible enough price point to make it accessible for people who actually want to take it and take enough of it to actually experience the benefits. Yeah. So if it's not like the biochemical underpinnings of the product itself, what is it that differentiates what you're selling and what you would find in uh, like a Whole Foods sure. or something like that? Like, why is there so much crap out there? <laughs> I would say what differentiates it and why is there so much crap is because the person creating the products is typically not like an OCD, like herb enthusiast. It's just like a corporate dude at an R&D lab or some biochem lab. And they don't actually, like what I can say is one of the benefits of my hippie days is, you know, I went way down to like weed, magic mushroom, like plant medicine, plant spirit medicine sort of rabbit hole, right? Which I'm not really on board with the majority of it, but there's a couple rice grains of useful nuggets in there that I was like, oh yeah, this actually, in terms of working with plants, has some usefulness to like kind of just keep, keep in, in my toolbox. Obviously, it's not the only metric I'm going to use, but it should be in there along with this other stuff as well. So that's part of the reason is like that's it's my palate, I, I guess. Kind of like if you buy wine from a collector or from a certain supplier, you're buying that person's palate. And I, it's the same thing with tea. I've I've bought tea from many different collectors in Taiwan and China and all over the world. And what I realize is I'm buying their palate, like their the decades they put in, their resources, their connections, their ability to discern. Oh, this is what's actually good. That's what I'm basically paying for. I mean, yeah, the tea also, but it's sort of that. That's what I'm paying for, and that's also kind of what informs the products that I create is you're, you're paying for my palate for my decades of experience and my weird brain wiring that makes these things happen. And the fact that I know a ton about all the different herbs, how they should be grown, where should they should be grown, the best ways to grow them, the best ways to produce them, when to harvest them, when not to harvest them, all the stuff about extraction me methods and extraction ratios and, all this like complicated sciencey stuff, like every step of the production cycle, I have at least some degree of depth of knowledge so I can look at it from a wide view and then choose what's going to be the best way to navigate this maze to create the kind of product that I want to create, um, which I could basically create any type of product at this point with the relationships that I have and the knowledge and create all kinds of different wild combinations of things but i just tend to keep things simple and straightforward because that tends to be a better outcome so i think that's what differentiates um what i do uh versus like if you just walk into whole foods and buy another like major corporate brand of mushrooms um or whatever it's like they don't really have all this nitty-gritty like ground level intimate knowledge about this plants typically and the thing is they kind of can't because they're at such a scale like certain things just don't scale um so fortunately like i'm big enough to be able to do things but i'm also small enough to be able to 
maintain quality. And that's, this is also why I haven't grown into a national, one of the reasons why I haven't grown into a national brand is because I don't actually have the margins. Because like, for example, if you go to, let's say you go to Whole Foods and there's a bottle of reishi that's like $32. That's that manufacturer's actual cost is probably like $2. Wow. So then they have the margin for everything else to pay a sales rep, you know, 15% commission to give Whole Foods a 25 to 50% commission plus all the other things, they have the margins baked in and they can still make tons of money off of that because it's a pretty like weak sauce product. The most expensive thing is probably the bottle. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Whereas like I, I don't have those margins because the actual cost of my actual raw materials and the powder is so much so that that's just not feasible unless I was charging like $80 or something ridiculous. Um, yeah. Or I had, I was lucky enough, like some companies that I won't name to have like venture capital money, um, to be able to have that thrown in. But so yeah, hopefully that answers your questions from like a, yeah. a lot of different angles. Yeah. I also really want to know that name, but maybe we'll wait till after the show. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a national brand in Whole Foods yeah. and everything else that, um, mm -hmm. has like mushroom coffees and mushroom instant uh, packets and all these other things. Yep, I'm yep. sure you can fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of them now. Um, you know, so I, I like this idea that, you know, really it, you're doing an artisanal kind of service with these herbs, you know, people are interacting with you through the herbs in a way. So like, how do you personally develop a relationship with each of these individual herbs and how do you cultivate that intuitive experiential understanding? I mean, you're probably at a point in your life where you've had just so many of these relationships. How do you know like, how do you get back to baseline and then build up and like see really intimately how it's affecting you when you've had sure. so much in there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll say for clarity's sake, at this point in my life, I don't really take much of anything anymore. Um, I mean, I took a bunch of stuff for most of my life previously, but these days I don't really take very much of anything, which is great. I'm, I'm happy to be at that point of health to where I don't actually really need anything. Um, and, you know, Tai Chi and the internal arts kind of do more for me than really anything. Um, but originally how I developed that relationship and the sensitivity was, I think at the, at the time I was probably vegan or raw vegan. So that is just another fancy way of saying I was starving myself under, <laughs> under the umbrella of health. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was very calorically deficient, but it made my system hypersensitive. Um, which is, I would say a negative thing, but I used it as a positive thing because anytime I took any herbs or teas or whatever, I was like rare, very aware of what they were doing. So I would, I would, I had that capacity kind of in the background quality, let's say, and then I would just maybe make a reishi tea and then drink that and then sit and meditate for like an hour or whatever, and just kind of judge, oh, it's kind of before and after how I feel. And then, you know, maybe, okay, I have to go to work. Okay. So I'll have a bunch of ratio before I go to work. And then I'll kind of just take mental note. Hmm. How did I feel? What was different? How was I relating to people? Uh, the previous issues that I'd always had or stumbling blocks, did they seem to be smoothed out? Did they seem to be easier or were they worse? And then kind of just mentally keeping a backlog of those sort of things and just kind of 
keeping track um, over time. And also, you know, in those days, I didn't really have much of any money. I mean, the vast majority of my adult life, I lived off of like $400 a month, basically. Um, that Like that was it. I mean, I remember when I started my first online sort of business sort of thing in like 2009 and I was making like $500, $1,000 a month, but like completely, fairly, pretty much passive. Like I thought I was rich. I was like, oh my God, I'm making $1,000 a month. Like this is more money I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um, so that's how I started off early is just developing sensitivity, which if people really want to develop some kind of sensitivity, there is definitely a stripping away process, um, which I would say for most people, vegan, vegetarian, restrictive diet, that's a stripping away diet. That's not typically a, a building diet. I mean, it can be, obviously you have to like kind of juggle and make some things, but to typically speaking, that's an aesthetic diet that you're using to kind of like peel back the layers and strip your body down, which can be useful, but maybe do it a little more intelligently than I did. Um, and just learning to start to minimize and, and cut back on the overall quality and amount of stimulation in your life in general, uh, that can then also help you just have a richer life experience from everything it doesn't have to be herbs because i just noticed like a lot of people what i've seen is people tend to be on kind of two extremes as in most things on mo on one extreme people just don't really feel anything they're kind of just a little bit numb or or a lot of bit numb depending on how you want to look at it and then i see people on kind of the other extreme who are like super hypersensitive like oh I can't take holy basil because it's too warming or like, Oh, I can't eat. I don't know, whatever basic food because it's too stimulating. Like I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm so sensitive. I can't go to the grocery store because I just feel everyone's energy. And like, they just go into this thing, which that's not actually sensitivity. That's just poor health. That's nervous system dysfunction. So I just want to clarify, like, that's not what I mean. I've been, I've been on both sides so I can, Speak with that with some degree of, um, but like you don't want to live your life kind of on either extreme. But basically another way of what I'm describing is like depression and anxiety. Anxiety is like you feel everything so strongly and it's just constantly like all over the place and you feel unstable. Or on the other extreme, you're kind of like Eeyore, whatever from like that cartoon <laughs> where you're just like, just like lethargic and life is sort of just flat. Um, so that that's really comes down to people's relationship to stimulation in general, um, which, you know, that's kind of a bigger, a bigger subject we could go down because what I'm, what I'm describing there, that's just sort of natural part of becoming an adult. Like the natural experience of getting older is your experience of life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, like because you have more experience and your mind is just able to categorize and oh this thing is like this okay this thing is like this so you don't actually have to go through the process of actually legitimately feeling and experiencing it whereas if you look at the other extreme when you're a kid you have no reference for anything everything is exciting everything is interesting everything is this rich experience because it's completely new but then over time you just develop all these reference points which is again natural but taking the over to a long enough period of time just makes you kind of depressed and flat 
which is kind of just how most uh, adult humans live their life, which is why people typically need to just constantly seek stimulation, whether it's porn or video games or music or movies or TV shows or buying stuff or even mental chatter or emotional uh, stimulation or rumination. It's all just stimulation because you're like, in some ways, just kind of bored because <laughs> uh, you're not able to actually experience life. So it's kind of a bit of a tangent, but um, yeah, but it should give people some some map for how they can increase their own sensitivity to these things. Yeah. Well, I think it's an important tangent. It's one that actually leads well to something I wanted to cover in terms of the people who are experiencing this kind of existential boredom who are on either side of these extremes. Is there um, kind of a, an aid that herbs can provide in that process of kind of rebalancing that out? Or do you think it's primarily lifestyle? Or how would you as somebody with both your internal arts and your herbal understanding, how would you um, maybe like guide somebody back into a, a place sure. of connectivity? I would say the first thing is that, I mean, life is kind of boring. Modern life is pretty devoid of meaning, purpose, depth, sacredness. Like it's all, this is all like kind of not really part of our culture, which I think is okay. It's fine. Um, it's just, it's just part of, it's just kind of the nature of the beast we live in. And I just mentioned that because a common thing people will try to do is like, oh, so what I should do is try to make everything sacred and everything special and everything. It's like, no, you're just basically make, trying to make something into something that it isn't. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously going to be doomed to failure because it's just more mental projection, abstraction, tension, anxiety that you're now putting onto something which then now you have to maintain that. So that's just more energy. So it's just taking you exactly in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, so, I, but that's just, that's just the go-to response for sure. So I think definitely Reishi can be very helpful for people. Um, it was very helpful for me, especially early on, uh, at least activating for me, like creativity and inspiration and um, insight. And I think, you know, definitely reishi can be very useful. Um, things like cordyceps or gynostemma can be great. Things that are traditionally regarded as like chi tonics. Um, and also just things like learning to de-stress because why we are numb to life is because our nervous system is basically just not functioning very well. I mean, it's functioning, but like to the degree of efficiency that it could, it's just pretty pretty subpar um which then if your nervous system doesn't really fire that well that means the fluids in your body don't move that well which means you feel sluggish which means you feel tired and then because your fluids are not moving well now you develop sickness and disease you develop inflammation and like that's that whole cycle it's kind of why like if people exercise you get your blood moving you get your fluids moving all of a sudden you feel like oh i feel like more engaged and ready to go with life it's like yeah because you moved a little bit of chi in your system. So you feel like, oh, okay, now life is, is, is more interesting now. So I think the simplest thing is maybe just be more fit. That's the most accessible thing for people. Um, and definitely avoid social media and, you know, but, well, I mean, use, understand that these things are tools 
and use them. Don't let them use you. I would say is the thing is, you know, be intelligent in that way. Um, and then realize that for some things you'll have to just carve it out for yourself. Like the world is the way it is. Like, I, sure, you could maybe make some changes and or be mad about how it is the way that it is, and maybe that's completely justified. But at the end of the day, people are likely not going to change. The world is not going to change, and it is what it is, you know? So why I say that is because ultimately you have to kind of look at yourself and carve out inspiration, passion, interest, creativity. Find these things for yourself because that's probably what's going to make life interesting for you is to find something that you can absorb yourself into and it doesn't really matter what it is honestly um it's just that the quality of, of absorbing your awareness into something that's the therapeutic kind of enjoyable aspect so people again have to find that for themselves it's and again don't it just annoys me when people like kind of get into this whole thing about find your passion find your mission you're here for a reason find like all this grandiose things which is not true. Like, like we were saying earlier, most of us are not very special. Or maybe it's just me. Like, sure, we are special in our own way, but we're not these like grandiose, like superhero characters, which I think that in one, people say those things to try to like console and make people feel better. But I think all it really does is make people feel worse because they're like, oh, I should be this thing, but I'm not. Oh, and I don't know how to be this thing. And I don't think I can. So now I feel worse. This is not useful. So like, don't worry about any of this stuff. Even what you're, what you want to do is mundane or stupid or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like if it's your thing and it's constructive, because like, obviously we should caveat like, you know, smoking opium every day or drinking a <laughs> bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a thing which might make your life more enjoyable, but maybe that's not the most constructive route. So I just think people have to find it for themselves and really just start stripping away and peeling the layers of aggressive stimulation and addiction because usually it's not it's usually it's not what you have to do to get something it's more so you need to remove the things that are standing in the way of that being a natural outcome kind of like as an example like willpower people are like okay I can't focus. I can't, I can't stay disciplined. I can't do all these things. So I need to like double down and really like make myself do this, which it's like, okay, there's a little bit of a case to be made for that. Like if you, you know, you're a child or something. Okay. But as an adult, really it's what are the things that are keeping me from having any degree of willpower? What are the things that are eroding my willpower? So for some people, it's just eating all eating whenever they feel like it. Oh, I'm hungry. I need a snack. So like, how about just eat meals? Mm -hmm. And how about just eat what you need? And even for a lot of people, it's like, whoa, uh, like even that can be a whole thing. And I've done that over the years and I actually lost a bunch of weight just naturally. Just asking like, how much do I actually need versus how much am I just eating out of habit or because I think or because I'm stressed or because of whatever other thing other than what my body actually requires to function and that was that's educational um and just things of that nature 
same thing with TV or picking up your phone or anything you have to like be compelled to do all the time. Sometimes being able to be like, well, wait, hold on. Because it's all these little things that are people are doing that are adding up over time that are just eroding their willpower. So that when it comes down to something meaningful and impactful, there's no, there's no gas in the tank. There's nothing, there's nothing to do because it's just the tank's empty from like trivial minutia. It's like death by a thousand cuts kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think it was a structural integration. It might've been like Dr. Ida Rolf who said essentially that like the body's natural inclination is to move towards equilibrium, to move towards wholeness. And it's all of these like behavioral things that we pick up throughout our lives. Like over time, like you're saying, they just, they add up and then they, block us but like really if we just remove those blockages naturally without even really having to try it will balance out and Mm -hmm. we'll start to express more healthily and it'll manifest in our posture the ways that we move the ways that we talk Um, but yeah we have to be able to like see clearly the things that uh, we do pretty compulsively that's something that i think is interesting as a meditator as somebody who practices buddhism who just sits there and just watches is just how much autopilot we are actually on. It's 99% of our waking life is yeah. just completely unchecked and just kind of sloppy. Yeah. Kind of flabby around the edges. 100%. Uh, so, you know, you've mentioned Reishi pretty much the entire time throughout mm-hmm. this. And I was going to ask you um, what, like, the first herb was that you had a personal connection with. Was it was it Reishi? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you think like out of all of the mushroom, because uh, mushrooms are so popular right now, right. Um, I, it really is quite a fad. As we're saying, there's like all these 100%. coffee replacements. Uh, do you think, uh, what ones do you think are like the most interesting in aiding this ability to kind of be more clear if there are any? For sure. Yeah. I think obviously caveat it varies from person to person. Reishi does not work for everyone. Um, I mean, no herb. Aside from like drinking water, eating food, sleeping and exercising, I don't think there's really anything that works for everyone. I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? I just, I just sometimes have to mention that because, um, so reishi is great. So I would say it depends on what a person kind of wants because each of the mushrooms has their own unique personality, which I can kind of go through, uh, briefly in a kind of a simple way. Reishi, it's like calm, calm focus. So that's kind of, it's like thing. Uh, and then if someone wants like something a little slightly more energizing, a little more, um, on the chi side or energy side of things, then cordyceps would be good. Uh, someone more like mental clarity, nervous system sort of things, lion's mane would be a great option. And then someone who's like just looking for immune support and doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't really want calm or energy is just like neutral but just immune immune support something like chaga or turkey tail would be the best option and what i'll say is that every mushroom that i just mentioned all will work on your immune system they will all balance and modulate the immune system across the board but they each have their own unique personality and that's that's what i listed and that's also the the products that i sell focus on each mushroom's unique characteristic and personality to bring those out depending on what people are looking for. Um, and I, I like the mushrooms because they tend to work for the widest range of people. Uh, cause you know, there's, there's 5,000 Chinese herbs, you know, and then in terms of the tonics, there's maybe 20, 30 
tonics, but really the mushrooms work for a pretty wide array of people. The only caveat is like, if you're sick, you have like a, a cold or a flu, maybe you don't really want to be taking them at that time. You want to wait till that thing is cleared. But other than that, it's pretty, pretty, um, safe across the board. Uh, also if people are on like blood thinners, they have to be careful or blood pressure meds because, uh, I mean, if you're on blood thinners, you got to be careful of like pretty much everything from what I've seen. But, uh, like I've had a lot of clients that have had their blood pressure just equalize completely from, from reishi and some of the other herbs to where they got off the medication. So it's something you have, it's something you have to modulate because it can have that effect. And if you're taking something on top of it, like that can be a thing. Um, but other than those instances, they're pretty well tolerated across the board and, you know, don't really have side effects. And even if you take them in really large amounts, which I don't recommend, um, but I have done. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think that, and I, I think one thing that I would like to also suggest and introduce to people is neurofeedback, um, which I've, I've done a few podcasts on that subject and I've done some videos on it. And I think aside from herbs and aside from all this other stuff we're talking about, I think neurofeedback is probably one of the most effective, most direct ways for people um, because it can actually allow your nervous system to self-correct. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you can mentally know something is bad or you shouldn't do something but that doesn't really have much of anything to do with what your nervous system is actually doing. Like, you know, I mean, for a lot of stuff, I mean, obviously it depends, but for the stuff that's really wired into us, if you're not actually really accessing the nervous system in a meaningful way, change is going to be difficult. It can happen, but it's going to take a lot longer. Um, whereas neurofeedback, I've seen it for myself and for a lot of other people to just really make a lot of changes a lot more quickly because it actually addresses the nervous system. And the one that I'm particularly a fan of is called neuroptimal because it's more holistic. It's not really like treating, treating a with B and trying to like modulate it. All these specific symptoms is more so whole feedback to your nervous system to self-correct and auto-regulate and then letting it do its thing, which to me just kind of more makes sense with my overall approach to things. Um, because one thing I, I struggled with for many years as someone who, you know, I had really bad, uh, PTSD or no, not PTSD, CPTSD, where I, it's like the, the complex version where it's like, mm -hmm. it kind of seems like you don't have it, but you, that just means it's like so far deep in your system that you just put another layer on top of it. Like that's the one I had, um, for a lot of years of my life. And just didn't even realize it, actually. I just thought that was normal. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, that manifested in so many different ways, so many different issues and deficiencies and excesses and whatever. And I, my mindset, which was one that I think a lot of people fall into, is thinking, I have to do all these different things and address all these different things and balance out all these things and heal this thing and heal that thing and work through this and work through that and process it. Like, just this whole, like lexicon encyclopedic level of like oh the work i have to do uh and you know i tried that for many many years and didn't i mean yeah it had some benefit it did some good but it didn't really do that much 
Um, and what I realized is if my nervous system is just actually more comfortable and at ease, like all that other shit kind of just takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. But getting your nervous system to that place when it hasn't been there in decades is not that easy because you just don't even know. Uh, so that's why I think Neuroptimal is, can be very useful because it can gradually kind of just remind your nervous system of like, oh yeah, dude, you can actually just chill and be more calm. Um, so I think if people are trying to make changes or they're trying to improve or any of the things we've been talking about, I feel like that's a really useful tool, a really useful addition that's been very beneficial for me and for many um, people, a lot of people that I know as well. So is that a set of practices or basically is it like a process? Basically, you just, uh, for Neuroptimal, uh, you put, I think, like, I don't know how many electrodes it is. There's like six electrodes, five or six electrodes on your head. And it's doing like 256 calculations per sensor per second, mm -hmm. reading your EEG or whatever. And then basically gives real-time feedback to your nervous system to kind of self-correct. Interesting. Um, so it's something you would either have to find a practitioner to get uh, sessions from, or you can rent a device online, but that's how I did it. I started that way. You can rent the device on uh, and then have, they'll ship it to you and then you can do it for yourself. Um, but there's people can usually find someone in their area to, you know, to try it out. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's cool because you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like you literally just listen to music <laughs> wow, or like watch a movie and it, and it gives feedback to correct, to help auto correct your nervous system, which to me, it's like, wait, I don't have to do anything. Okay. Sounds yeah. great. <laughs> so you just over time end up feeling just more relaxed. Like I've never heard of this before. This is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean the, the immediate short term sensation is that you tend to feel a lot more calm. But it's like a different quality of calm because it's your nerves. Mm. Um, like I, I've had a friend of mine over here doing it and like she'll be on the other side of the couch, you know, listening to headphones, doing the session. And it's like I'll start calming down. It's weird. It's like I think there's some kind of like resonance thing where she's doing it. I'll be <laughs> over there like <sighs> I just notice like my nerves like I'm like, damn, all right. Um, yeah. But then the, the people that, um, the creators of the system and then pe other people that I've talked to that use it in more of a clinical setting, they, they talk a lot about using, getting a whole family on it because then like everyone's nervous systems can actually co-regulate and chill out together mm -hmm. because at least in, in the, in the way the example they use is like, let's say you have a child with behavioral issues. The standard approach is, oh, okay, this kid has A, B, and C, so we're going to treat the kid. Whereas they're like, actually, this kid has these symptoms probably in response to their environment or some stimulus. So let's treat the environment and get everyone to like chill and self-regulate. And then what do you know? Everything improves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a system that I'm a big fan of that um, it's, it's one of those things to where when I first heard about it years and years ago, I was like, I know this is something I should do, but I'm not going to do it because, and I just made up some stuff. 
And I see that a lot when I, when I, like I'll meet people and I'm like, this is exactly what you should do. And they're like, ah, nah, I don't know. So it's like this weird response in, in the nervous system. Um, we it, like our dang tension. <laughs> well, no, zap it away. <laughs> it it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about Rolf and talking about how the body wants to maintain equilibrium. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that equilibrium might be negative, yeah. but it still will want to maintain it. Like, because it's the, the discomfort and the dysfunction is actually more comfortable and safer feeling because it's familiar than mm-hmm. the, the, the journey through the unknown of actually feeling better. Yeah. So it's like, I think people, uh, you know, that, that's something that perplexed me many times over in my own journey uh, and still does to this day. But there is that reflex in all of us. And sometimes that's why people are like, oh, listen to your feelings, listen to your intuition, like listen to your heart. And I'm like, nah, I mean, there's there's a place for that for sure. But, but it, you can be wrong. I mean, you can do the wrong things for sure, depending on how things are wired. So have some discernment as well. Yeah. I think that kind of phrase of like listening to your heart and your intuition is really tricky because, I mean, it's really hard to tell what's an actual kind of hit of intuition because I, I, I kind of believe that there is like a space within us that knows how to course correct. Yep. But it, it like, does that sound that much different than like what's going on up here that's really seeking to maintain? And I yeah. really like that idea of like calming the nerves creates the space in which everything else sorts itself out. Yeah, That's something that I thought of too in terms of, you see a lot of people who have a laundry list of problems and you just wonder how much of that is more of the symptom of an underlying kind of core issue, which is kind of an instability in the nervous system. Yeah. And yet it's kind of this pernicious kind of vicious cycle of like, I have to get all these different things when really it's the thing underneath that's sponsoring all of that. So there's always going to be something coming up. So really getting to the heart of it, which is really your nervous system and typically not feeling safe to yep. some degree. I think a lot of people really struggle with a sense of safety, whether it's with themselves. I mean, we really aren't safe ever, right? You know, we're in these aging bodies, like we are on a death trip, you right. know? So it's <laughs> like learning how to be really comfortable within that and like learning how to be, like you're saying, with the uncertainty, which yeah. is where growth is and ultimately where life is as well. Right. Yeah. Well, we are actually at time. That went by very fast. So thank you so much. This was uh, really entertaining for me. You have some pretty amazing perspectives. Uh, it definitely had me interested in Reishi in a way that I haven't been. So I appreciate that. Um, where can people find you? Where can people stay plugged in with what you have going on and uh, maybe get some herbs? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I have two primary outlets. I have HyperionHerbs.com, which is uh, has all the products and stuff we talked about. People can contact me directly through there if they have questions or recommendations or anything of that nature. And then I have my YouTube channel, which is HyperionTV.com. Um, and there's probably over 800 videos at this point. Some of them are a little suspect in their quality because they're from 2009, <laughs> but... Uh, I've covered a lot of different subject matter on there. I tried to provide a lot of solutions. Um, not a lot of just BS and whatever, but just like straight to the point, like here's the solution. Uh, here's the problem. Here's why it occurs. Here's what you can do based in 
me actually sorting it out for myself and observing it in others and these kinds of things. So yeah, that's, that's definitely there. That's a resource for people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my two outlets. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. This was uh, pretty dang informational, so I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah we'll see you next time. All right, my friends, that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way through until the end. That was, once again, Brandon Gilbert. If you want to check out his stuff, head on over to HyperionHerbs.com. Also check him out on YouTube. He's got tons and tons of content exploring how to integrate with herbs, how to practice spirituality properly in a way that will actually give you some real results. It's really uh, an engaging platform, so I really encourage you to check that out if you are interested in that. Again, if you want to support this show, head on over to patreon.com slash 21st Century Vitalism. Become a patron. It helps out five bucks a month. just helps me keep the lights on, pay the bills, not have my roommates kick me out of this house that I'm in. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. You're in the digital age. We all know what it takes to keep things rolling. So thank you again so much for listening. I really do make this show for you. Please take care of yourselves out there. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.